You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hello, I'm Bob Tart, author of the books Enslaved by Ducks. Kitty Cornered and Fall Weather, and you are listening to What Were You Thinking? And I am here with book character Bill Holm. Yep, that's me. And we are sitting in a rest stop in, where are we? We're, are we past Hazlitt yet? I really don't. I don't, yes, no, I have no idea where we are. I think we're around, um, like, Fowlerville. Something like that, and we are doing our special yearly broadcast about our birding trip to McGee Marsh. Now, I realize it's been a full year. Has it been that long? It has been a full year. Wait a minute, let me move this recorder a little bit. That is one impressive, by the way, I know, instrument you have. Well, I mean the radio. Yes, that is a nice radio. Let me get the radio out of the way, and then we'll get the... There, that's why the recorder wasn't working. The radio was on top of it. That, that's an incredible thing to, be, to, to have on this journey. See, before, uh, I, I think the quality is going to be a little bit better this show. One reason the show's taken a full year to do is because we're keeping the quality up. I, I don't want to shortchange our listeners, especially those who tune into What Were You Thinking on shortwave radio. We want to keep the audio going good. We've been uh, really concerned about re- maintaining authenticity, maintaining a connection with the roots of radio, and I think the equipment you have right there does that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I uh, decided to, I'm using what the kids would call a reel-to-reel tape recorder. It's an old <clears throat> Revox reel-to-reel. Weighs 65 pounds, so if I sound a little pained, it's uh, had to drag it out of Bill's back seat, and it's sitting on my legs, kind of cutting off my circulation. But If uh, I sound pained, there's a number of reasons. Yeah. Now, I'd like to explain, you know, unfortunately, why it's taken so long to do a show. I apologize. I'm supposed to be doing a show every single week, and doing one show, two shows a year isn't quite the same, but it's been a bad year. I don't know how your year was, Bill, but... Uh, it was a hell of a year. Yeah, yeah. And, th- see, what happened was, Bill and I did our biggest week in podcasting shows last year, and I had just posted the first installment on Pet Life Radio. And I was going to do the second installment, but I was at the top of the basement stairs, and a mosquito stung me. Really? Yeah. And I fell down the basement stairs, and lo and behold, I tumbled down a talc mine. There was a prehistoric talc mine in our basement. I never knew it was there before, and the shaft to this prehistoric talc mine was right at the foot of the basement stairs. You're kidding me. No, no. And so I was stuck in this talc mine. I was trapped. For like three months. And that's why it took me three months to... Because the first thing I did, I crawled on my belly. And it was a lot of work crawling and getting out of that talc mine. But I'll tell you one thing. Once I got out, was my skin silky soft. (laughs) It was. It was smooth and soft, you know. I'll bet it was. 
That, so, wow. So, <laughs> first thing I did... That usual, did that rash clear up that you... <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't talk about that. So that, you know, and archaeologists are over at the house now investigating that thing. Because really? that's a heck of a find. It is a heck so, of a find. I didn't really, so all because of a mosquito. That's what's really incredible yeah. about the story. Yeah, um, and so then I did, I put second show up. And I was going to, you know, okay, now I'm going to do a show a week. But um, I tripped over the threshold. Oh, well. You know, I, I stumbled. I didn't really uh-huh. fall, but I just stumbled, and I thought, you know, we got to draw the line somewhere. So, mm-hmm. But the, yeah, the other reason is that it takes a year to do a show like that to get ready, because this is our special McGee Marsh birding show, and I'm here with book character Bill Holm, yeah. and it takes, and I worked every minute of the year to get ready for this every show. Every minute. Yeah. It was a show is so far. Yeah, every minute. And so I think we're going to have a heck of a show and we're, you know, going to have kind of a different theme because we always struggle a little bit to try and make this show fresh for you, the listener. We don't want to shortchange our listener. That's one reason it takes a year to do this show because we're not shortchanging you, the listener. No, and it is a struggle, believe me. Yeah. So we're going down in what's supposed to be the rain to McGee Marsh. And uh, we're going to be dodging raindrops. I came up with that. You know. <laughs> really? That's clever. Yeah, dodging raindrops. Yeah. Kind of, that's kind of a word salad, but I think it works. Mm-hmm. I was even thinking of maybe my next book, that could be the title, Dodging Raindrops. Dodging I, raindrops. I came up with that. Yeah, that's, that's really good. You know, it kind of paints a picture right away. Yeah. And What's we, it about? Well, I don't know yet. There's, I was thinking maybe it should just be, I have spent 61 years on this planet. Oof. And so I have, oh, wait a minute. Maybe not all 61 were on this planet. Yeah, well, there were the missing years. Right. But I have a lot of observations about a lot of topics. And I thought sure. that, you know, like, um, you know, I'll give you an example. I was, at the, I was at the bank this week. Uh-huh. And I went to the drive-in window. And, uh, well, actually, it was an ATM. It was the robot drive-in window, I guess. So I was at the ATM. And I had all my account information written down. And I even wrote down my PIN number and all this stuff. Because I want to make sure I didn't forget it. And I thought, why isn't there a wastebasket right here? that I could throw away all my sensitive banking information, including my PIN number. Wouldn't it be convenient if there was a waste, an open waste basket right by the ATM at the bank? Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of observation <laughs> that Th- I think I would it? have. Yeah, well, That's yeah. excellent. I'd never thought of that before. You know, maybe a bank could, you know, listen to this podcast and, you know, come away with that idea. I thought another, maybe another name for it, instead of Dodge and Raindrops, that's pretty, kind of a word salad, you know, kind of clever. I thought maybe it would be called, you know, the same theme. It'd be called, who ordered this? I can't think of the last word. Hey, who ordered this? Um, book. Well, I always ask that, but, uh, or who, uh, word salad. Who ordered this word salad? You know, when it's raining out, that's what Uh you say. Who ordered this word salad? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So anyway, our uh, last year's show was the most popular. I don't remember it at all. It was the most popular Pet Life Radio What Were You Thinking podcast, single podcast that we've ever done. Really? Yep, yep. And what were the numbers? Do you have those handy? Yeah, I do. 18 people listened to a portion of that show. That's like triple. Yeah, listen to a portion of it. Mm -hmm. See, what happened was, and this is great. Probably not the last portion. No, no. But this is great. This is how it happened that uh, there was a prison chaplain, and he thought he was tuning into a devotional service on the shortwave. But he accidentally tuned into What Were You Thinking? And so those 18 prisoners, they, you know, listened to a, a couple minutes of our show. So I thought that's wonderful. You know, so as 18 people listened to part of our show, and that's a new record for us thanks to that chaplain. Yeah, it's sort of like the uh, 
Oklahoma botched execution thing. Well, they made that poor guy listen to our show. That's, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sad. So we're going to be doing maybe a rain show. Uh, it depends on if it rains up. But it's pretty sunny today, isn't it? I was prepared for a rain show, and now that the sun's out, I mean, it's a, it's a gorgeous day. Yep, and, yep. And I'm not sure my, my material is appropriate well we're going to be dodging sunbeams now (laughs) well maybe i should look at it that way maybe the lightning is the sunshine oh yeah and the thunder is the roar of approval of our fellow travelers well we're getting into another word salad there but yeah uh, that's right but we're going to take you to mcgee marsh again for the migration the big migration of the birds this is the time when the warblers come through and you will be there with us again and Bob may answer this question. What is this bird? Oh. And now uh, where did you see this bird? In Cape May. No, New Jersey. So this will be, this is kind of a teaser to the special Cape May report you're going to be giving us shortly. Just trying to whet the listener's appetite. Okay, so we'll come back to that because you've whetted my appetite. We'll come back to that bird identification. I it's, do have some uh, Rocky Mountain mix in the cooler by the way. Oh, you in, do? In case you get hungry. Oh, what what is in that? I can't really talk about it. Oh, oh, that does sound But right. it's good. It's, it's got some you Is know, that from that... Nuts. Uh, huh? Was this from Colorado? Yes, it is. A special product from Colorado? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'd like to thank our producer for uh, being so patient with the fact that I haven't done a show in a year. Mm-hmm. And it's been so long, I, I can't even really remember his name. By the way, before you continue this, has he ever asked, where's the next episode? Well. Where's the next podcast? No. No, he has not, and that shows what a patient man he is. Mm. Um, I think I think his name is Rick. Does that sound familiar? Rick. That really doesn't ring a bell. Rick Scott? Isn't that our Rick producer? Rick Scott. I, producer. I didn't realize. Why is that? Is it, well, Does that sound familiar? Rick Scott does ring a bell. The name Rick Scott. Some politician, I think. Florida. That, yeah, is he it, is in Florida. He's the governor of Florida. Oh, my gosh. Our producer is the governor of Florida. That's incredible. What it an is. honor. Wow. And here I'm calling him producer, and that's that's really a little too informal. He's a governor producer. He sure is. Wow. Well, thanks, Rick, um, and thank you for your patience. We're also going to talk about birding by ear a little bit, because I think Bill has some thoughts on birding by ear. Oh. Well, I just prepared, whetted the appetite of the listener with a little birding by ear. Yes, um, and I'm going to try and identify that bird. And so we're going to tell you about, uh, take you right with us again to McGee Marsh, and you will hear some of the birds with us this and is get in be on great. the excitement. It's going to be interesting to see this magnificent radio equipment that you have on the boardwalk at McGee Marsh. Well, I was hoping that you would carry it for me because... Well, uh, I may. I could put it on my back or we could just set it up in the middle of the boardwalk like the birders do with their tripods. Let's do that. Let's just do that. Make people hop, skip and jump right over it. That's right. And then feel guilty if you happen to bump it. Yeah. And, and then they get all huffy about it. Just before we go to our break, I should mention I'm writing a book about birding. You are? I am. And so this will be... You know, a good promo for that book about birding, which I expect will come out in about 15 years. This doesn't position yourself as a birding expert, does it? No, it does not. Mm, it positions that's probably good. It is probably good. So you are listening to, we're going to be right back with book character Bill Holmes' Cape May Report. And uh, this is a special report you will only hear on Pet Life Radio. We're going to try and identify that mystery bird 
Bill Hurd. That's right. And I'll also be providing some dining reviews of the Cape May area. Dining reviews of the Cape May area. I hope that you have some interesting places that you went to and maybe had some, maybe a little ethnic food of some kind that you had, maybe a mixture of ethnic food. That's incredible. Yes, yes. Well, that would be good to hear. So you're listening to Pet Life Radio to What Were You Thinking? And we will be right back after these words from our sponsor. What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. It's dinner time in America, where more pet parents trust PetSmart for natural and expert recommended foods than any place else. And now, we've added more than 100 new varieties to our already wide selection of your favorite brands, like Simply Nourish, Authority, Wellness, Science Diet, and more. Do what's best for your pet. At PetSmart, happiness in store. Go to PetSmartDeal.com to find out this week's coupon code and save up to 30% on food, treats, toys, and more. And get free shipping on orders of $49. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber. From Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio, and we want to hear from you. I am now with you every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. I hear him in the West Coast. That makes it noon back in the East here on PetLifeRadio.com. So when we get callers who call in a question about their pet or email me a question that I read live on air, Kong is going to send out a free Kong toy. So you get free advice, lots of information, and a ProSense and or a Kong toy just for calling in here to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff on Pet Life Radio. That is a great deal. So you can call in at 877-385-8882 or you can drop me an email to Dr. Jeff at Pet Life Radio. We want you to take advantage of me because that's why I'm here. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys. Oh, in my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, we're back. You are listening to What Were You Thinking with... Bob Tart, author of Enslaved by Ducks, Foul Weather, and Kitty Cornered, and working on a birding book that someday might get published. I am here with, in case you're just tuning in now on shortwave radio, with book character Bill Holm. Yes, and for all those people on the 30-meter band, I welcome you. Yes, yes. We have, a, we have a lot of fans who listen to us exclusively on the 30-meter band, and some are ham radio operators. Really? Are the rest just floating on the band? Yes, they are. They're just kind Interesting. of... Interesting. Yes, yes. And there's a couple... In fact, you will like this. Speaking of 30-meter band, there are a couple fans who have just had their bands of matrimony published. Really? Yes, thanks to our show. Is it published 30 times on the 30-meter band? It was. It was indeed. I do have... My, a, all of my marriages have been banned, except the la, the most recent. Really? How many marriages have you had? Oh, boy. Why don't we just move on? 
Well, I do want to say hi to our listeners all around the world who are listening to us on shortwave radio. I would like to caution the uh, listeners in North America who like to tune into Pet Life Radio on the 30-meter band that in the evening... We start to get some interference from Radio Tibet. It's right on an adjacent channel. Yes, it's right. See, our producer, Rick Scott, he has a special neurotransmitter for Pet Life Radio. And the frequency that he's chosen, it's unfortunately, he didn't know that at the time, but it's adjacent to Radio Tibet. And it can be pretty confusing because uh, yesterday, yesterday evening, I was listening to Pet Life Radio and there was a show about llamas. And the next thing I know, I'm hearing some llamas chanting. (laughs) Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, that's just, that was just, you know, I didn't know what was going on. And it was Radio Tibet. Man, that, that's odd. It is odd. So we were talking, uh, we did a little teaser for, what you drinking there? It looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. We were do we did a little we did a little teaser just before the break about uh, there was a bird that you heard when you were at Cape May with your wife mm-hmm. on a recent trip and we're going to get right. to your Cape May trip report in a minute oh, but I want to see to tell I am busting I should wet my whistle because um not only am I a bird watcher and a bird hearer but I'm um I'm getting pretty good at imitating um, some birds. So, I don't know, maybe you can tell me, you know, kind of describe what you heard. Did you get well, a... If, if, the, if our listeners around the world were here for the first part of the show, they heard a bird that I was going to quiz you about in the second half of the show, and it sounded something like this. Hmm. Hmm. And I didn't know if, if you knew what <clears throat> it was. Well, let me see. <clears throat> let me see. Did it sound a little like this? Just a minute. Take, just take a second. <clears throat> Okay. <clears throat> that was a little rough. Wow. I. <coughs> oh, it's a little hard on my voice, but oh, I mean, that's my imitation of. You're a... not even whistling that. That's that's your voice. <clears throat> that's my yeah. That's my imitation of a prairie warbler. Is that what it sounded like? It was exact. That's exactly what it sounded like. I am shocked. I'm sitting right here next to you. You do. And I, I I'm sorry about really... the faces I had to make when well, I was doing was that hideous. call. I know it. it it's unfortunate because my I really have to kind of um, contort my larynx, and um, also my eyes kind of pop out. But um, that's right, and my glasses are covered with spittle. Right, it's all for a good cause. Yeah. So let's get to that um, exclusive Cape May report. Bill went to, now once again, we are, this is our full year in the making birding show. I decided I would call it the full year in the making birding show because I've been, I've been working Jeez, on this show. Take it easy. Non, well, I've been working nonstop getting this darn show Whoa. ready. And, you know, and what's going to happen? It's going to be on shortwave radio and there's going to be a thunderstorm somewhere and people in Montana are going to miss it. Isn't that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, we okay. have a lot of listeners in Montana. We do, we do. So uh, you know, those guys at prison—they depend on hearing the show. <laughs> so uh, thanks to uh, Chaplain Briggs over in Montana. I won't name the correctional institution, but uh, they're big fans of the show. Chaplain Briggs. Yeah, Chaplain Briggs. But um, you can Google him, I guess. So Cape May is also one of the premier spots in the U.S. for the warbler migration, which is taking place now. And that's why. Bill and I go to McGee Marsh, but Bill and Marsha went to Cape May, New Jersey, New Jersey, home of leading birding expert David Allen Sibley, and I believe he's the director of the Cape May 
observatory, the bird observatory. Yeah, yeah, yes, I was there. And I think I saw him there making coffee. Yes. Yeah, he makes a heck of a cup. He brews a heck of a cup. He brews a heck of a cup. And, yeah. and, and man, and he drew a picture of it, too. Oh, did he? Yeah. Was it a, a watercolor? It was. I mean, with each cup, you get a free little drawing. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, I, I don't want to shortchange our listener by talking too much. So, because um, he, you know, our typical listener, he wants to hear about oh, you at Cape May. So let's, let's hear your Cape May report. Well, we were there like uh, a week ago or so. It's at the very southern tip, Cape May is, of, of the state of New Jersey. And uh, Were all the lanes open when you were there? <laughs> well, it did, <laughs> it did take a little while to get there. I'll say that. And uh, so it's an interesting sort of spot because McGee Marsh is... Did you know that Cape May is below the Mason-Dixon line? I did not know that. So you might find that it's a little more along in terms of bird migration it, right now than, than it is here. So you're, or, what you're saying is that the warblers arrive earlier in Cape May than they do at McGee Marsh? I, that's what I'm trying to say. And every other bird. I mean, it's not just warblers. I mean, you, you could see almost anything there if you really look. And what's interesting is that... they're Anything? Almost anything. Any llamas? Hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when llamas fly. Yes. So what's the difference between, though, Cape May and McGee Marsh is that at McGee Marsh, it's a boardwalk. The, the birds are very condensed in this one spot. And you can walk along and be within, like, within arm's reach of a prothonotary warbler who's just looking at you and, you know, saying, huh. Is quite remarkable. In Cape May, you have to work a little bit harder at it because you're birding in neighborhoods. Thank you. You're birding. In the- oh, I thought it was no, like no, one no. of my my readings, <laughs> and, and people yeah. were happy I, that the show was over. I could see how you'd be flashbacking on something like that at this moment. You're in neighborhoods. The Audubon Observatory, or whatever the thing is, is in the middle of a residential neighborhood, and it's and it's got trees around. They're filled with warblers, and so people park right in the middle. Birders park right in the middle of the road, get out of their cars, and look around with binoculars. You know, in this neighborhood, people are trying to get through. They've got groceries. They've got children that they're taking to soccer games, and they can't get through. And so once I was standing there on the side of the road in front of the observatory and uh, just minding my own business, and I see this hulking birder coming at me going backwards, looking up with his binoculars into a tree, backing right into me, and I could see him coming, and suddenly everything darkened because he was so close. I had to jump out of the way, and he, he kind of brushed me as he went by, and he kind of went, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. And I almost stumbled and fell. And he said, oh, uh, there's a black-throated green right up here if you want to go see it. Oh, my God. And what kind of vehicle was he in? He was, <laughs> he was in a uh, truck. Wow. So what you're saying is that at Cape May, some people do birding in residential neighborhoods. That's pretty much what I'm getting at. Wow. And do people often bird from a car? Well, he wasn't backing into me in his vehicle. He himself was backing into me. Oh, kind me. of a large guy? Yes. Oh, my gosh. It That's was, even it was worse. the human, not the truck or the, whatever it was he drove, backing into me. He was backing oh. into me as a human being. Wow. And That's then, scarier than any vehicle coming at you. It, a when, body coming at when you. When we first got to the observatory, we're walking up there. It was, it was before it was open. It was like 9 o'clock in the morning. The place wasn't even open yet. And there were a couple of birders there in front just kind of wandering around. And I'm walking towards one, and he kind of looks at me, and I say, Hi, fellow birder. Yes, of course. And you know what he did? No. He turned around. 
He, he just did turned what? his back on me. He didn't say a word. He turned his back on me. Well, I wonder, do you suppose, and I'm not defending him, but do you suppose that he was hoping for, like, a birder salute from you? Do you know the birder salute? Because it's kind of all birders know the salute. See, if you would have done that... <laughs> I can't. Only you can do that. Oh, I can't do that. Did he do, see? And maybe that's what you heard. Maybe he turned and he made that sound, which is his way of saying "Hi, birding neighbor." I don't. I honestly don't think he did. Okay. I don't recall that. The restaurants in Cape May are pedestrian for the most part. Are they in it, residential neighborhoods? They are. There's an oceanfront road where all the where the resorts are. A lot of them are like old Victorian homes that are now bed and breakfasts and uh, hotels and things like that. And there are a number of restaurants along this strip, too, and they're out, they all serve pretty much the same kind of food. I think they're all kind of run by the same kitchen, in fact, and the food is uniform. You have to leave the tourist area. You see, the tourist area is essentially designed for beleaguered Philadelphians. Oh. So, you know, so you know how Philadelphia is. There's not a lot of class. You know, there's not a lot of good eating in Philadelphia. And they and they drag that with them to Cape May. You go to a place like, for example, Cinco de Mayo, an excellent Mexican restaurant that we've discovered. And uh, however, I was dismayed because I looked out the window and there was a for sale sign in front of the restaurant. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go there, go now. Huh. Now, were there any, I know you enjoy a good cup of coffee. I love a good cup of coffee. Was there perhaps a beach in the area that had one of those um, Higby coffee places? Wow, that, that's an incredible question. And you've sort of, you've mixed up two sort of psychic waves, I think. I have. There is something called Higby Beach at Cape May. No. Yes. No. Yes. And we tried to go there, my wife and I, because we heard it was good burden. But when we got there, it was full of punk kids going there for, for you know, to get drunk and high, to frankly, frankly. Well, maybe maybe they were just very exuberant fans of the Miami Dolphins. Were there, was there any kind of activity wow. that made you wow. think that, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe the Dolphins were involved? Well, there were a lot of Dolphins there. Where Delaware Bay meets... The Atlantic Ocean is called the Ritz. Pleased to meet you. It's called the, the, Delaware Bay. Yeah. I would like to introduce you to the Atlantic Ocean. The Atlantic Ocean, and I am really ripped because of that. Oh, and Ooh. and and the water is a little roiled. And, and I thought dolphins, it was steroids. And dolphins love it there, and they're just there's all over the place. You can reach out and almost touch them How many from did the you shore. See Dozens. Wow. Dozens. How close were you to them? Within yards. That's amazing. It is amazing. They're, they're such nice little creatures. Were they chewing on any of the punk kids? Oh, I wish they were. <laughs> I wish I wish they were. But if, to, frankly, truly, if you're going to go to Cape May, I'd just bird in the state park. In the state park? Yeah. They got a mile and a half long trail that's just full of birds. And they've got knowledgeable people on hand there to answer your questions, to make you feel comfortable, make you feel at home, make you feel like you're part of the birding community. So you probably, unlike in the neighborhood where you probably felt a little uncomfortable birding, once you're in Cape May, you did not feel like taking a runner, did you? Wow! Wow! What what, what did I say? This kind of dovetails into another point I wanted to make. Did you see doves? Well, there there were some doves, but... In Cape May, you'd think they'd do things to appeal to birders, like the tourist board or something. There'd be a sign-up, or there'd be like the birder special, you know, like a half a quail on a bed of rice or something like that. But no, there was nothing. It's like they didn't really care if the birders came or not. And in fact, in the state park, which is this birding paradise, if you ask me, 
I mean, on this mile and a half long path, we'd be standing there. It'd be like maybe five or six birders standing on this nice walking path, trail, as it were. And then we hear this, and there's this runner coming, boom, boom, barreling down at us, making all this noise a so we'll get out of his way. Uh-oh. And it's a one-way path. you got to go back the same way. So a little while later, he comes huffing and puffing and grunting back the other way. And then he did it again. The nerve. The nerve. So, I mean, even even in a place that you'd think would be a place for birders to go and be among themselves was despoiled, and I found it interesting. Well, that's interesting, too, and it's an interesting note, kind of a downbeat note, but it's an interesting note to wrap up the Cape May report because we're at the end of show number one. Do you <laughs> did, know that? Did, did, I, did I take too long? No, you did Cape not. No, you did because not. Because I thought I had a lot of things that I wanted, because Cape May is one of the most important birding places in the entire world. Yes, it is. It, it absolutely is. But this is, we can talk about it a little more in part two. This is part one of a full... Because I'm not quite done yet. We will, we will just segue right into it on episode two. So this is the end of episode one of Full Year in the Making Birding Show. And I'd like to thank our producer, Bobby Jindal. And it's uh, very good of him to, uh, you know, be very patient with me. And, uh, you know, he's a peach of a guy down there in uh, Georgia. Wow. So uh, thank you so that much, our producer. funny. And uh, thanks to all of our uh, listeners who listen to us on uh, shortwave radio. And thank you, book character Bill Holm. And we will be talking to you again in just a minute. <laughs> Even though there'll be another episode. <laughs> So, bye-bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.